It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, good to have your company. And I can already see a text in. And actually, there was a couple of texts in on with the, asking the same question yesterday. So let me get to it straight away to stop people wasting their time texting and asking. People are wondering when will the double payment for social welfare and pensioners be uh, paid? Uh, do we have the date? We don't have the date. And actually, yesterday when I had Anne, O'Con- Anne O'Donovan on from the Citizens Information Centre, they don't have the date either. The date has been released, funnily enough, for the Christmas bonus when that's going to be paid and that's going to be paid out uh, I think it's the 6th of December it's the first week in December all we've been told so far from the government and the Department of uh, Social Welfare uh, is it's going to be paid in October an educated guess I'm imagining it's going to be the last week of October you know the week as we head into the bank holiday weekend to kind of a the Halloween weekend I'm assuming that's when it's going to be as soon as we get confirmation of when that double payment is to be paid that we will bring it to you but I just don't want people wasting their time texting in asking because we simply don't have the information yet now looking at some of the stories making the papers today and it got me thinking when we only have two accident and emergency departments covering the entire city and county of Cork it comes as no surprise to hear that last month was the worst September on record in terms of patients without beds at both Cork University Hospital and the Mercy Hospital. Now, these are the figures coming from the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. 1,266 people waited on trolleys at CUOH and that's just over the course of the month of September. The majority of them we're in the emergency department and then when you go across the city to the Mercy Hospital, they had a further 411 patients waiting on trolleys during September. Now, the IMO said they've been recording trolley figures uh, since 2006 and September just gone is the worst on uh, record. Uh, addressing the issue of Cork University uh, Hospital, the INMO said that the hospital simply does not have enough beds to keep up with demand with regards to the mercy. They said no other September comes close to the number of people that were languishing on trolleys in the mercy as last September did. From a staffing perspective, the INMO said those working at CUH's ED department were under severe pressure. 
they say there was 88 patients with no bed and that was just last Wednesday actually actually we quoted that figure funny enough on the programme when I was speaking with wasn't it Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock when we were talking about that pilot project that they're starting at Mallow General Hospital that people who have been a patient at Mallow General Hospital if they become unwell during the next two weeks and an ambulance is called they'll be assessed by the ambulance personnel and by doctors and to see should they go straight to Mallow General Hospital rather than at the moment the protocol would be if you get if you get into the back of an ambulance you're taken straight up to either CUH or the Mercy uh, Hospital uh, and I really do hope that that pilot project works because if that works it'll be rolled out then to other hospitals around the country and it will take pressure off the emergency departments that really, really are struggling at the moment. And the INMO say that the most important thing for them is to be able to provide safe patient care. And because of the environment that the staff are working in, they say that they're now finding it pretty uh, challenging. I mean, if the staff must be under the most incredible uh, pressure and it must be really frustrating for them as well to be trying to deal with patients, patients that they know should no longer be in the ED department, they should be in some other part of the hospital in an actual bed being treated and instead here they are lying on uh, trolleys and as we move out of September into the month of October doesn't look like it's getting any better folks because a total of 555 patients were waiting for beds in hospital all around the country and that was as of 8 o'clock yesterday morning I don't know what the figure for today uh, is but on Monday morning it was an increase of 105 uh, since Friday the highest individual totals were once again at Cork University Hospital and also another hospital close to us that always seems to be under pressure is the University Hospital in Limerick both CUH and the hospital in Limerick had 74 patients waiting on trolleys uh, yesterday morning just five of the country's hospitals did not record a single patient waiting on a trolley yesterday morning. Something has to be done about it and as I say let's hope that that pilot project at Mallow I just I hope that the initial pilot project works and that that they broaden it out a bit because at the moment they're limited just on people who who had been a patient at uh, Mallow General Hospital in the previous two weeks. They're the only ones that can possibly go straight to Mallow rather than be taken up to the city and hope that they broaden that out uh, a bit. And also back last month, remember we were all talking and looking in shock at a video that went viral of a guard the car that was being driven by two female Gardaí and they were being it was they were in a ramming incident at Cherry Orchard in uh, Dublin. And of course lots of people there with their mobile phones taking video footage of it and of course the videos went viral and then we all got to see the antisocial behaviour and we also got to see the risk to life of those young female Gardaí who were driving that car. Well, according to the papers today, four male juveniles have now been arrested in relation to what the Gardaí say is an ongoing investigation into that incident at Cherry Orchard in uh, Dublin. And the guard the car wasn't just rammed once, it was repeatedly rammed while the onlookers were watching and videoing. All four teens now are currently being detained at a number of Garda stations in Dublin. They've been arrested as part of the operation carried out by the Garda. The alleged endangerment of Garda and related incidents which took place on the 19th of September have been condemned, of course, by politicians and local residents. I think it was condemned by 
by people all over uh, the country. Footage, of course, showed dozens of onlookers cheering. That's the part that really got to me as well. After the guy of the car is ram, ram, was being rammed, the incident led to meetings then taking place between politicians and community representatives and organisations. Everybody saying, "What can be done for Cherry Orchard in Dublin?" The Justice Minister Helen McEntee has announced a number of measures to tackle ongoing issues, including unveiling plans to crack down on anti-social uh, problems and anti-social uh, behaviour. Not just for the Cherry Cherry Orchard area of Dublin, she's planning on cracking down on anti-social behaviour all over the country because while the focus was on this, this part of uh, Dublin, many other people came out and said, look, it's happening in our area as well. A Garda spokesperson said the investigation into the endangerment of Garda and related incidents is ongoing and obviously they're still looking for people to come forward, even though I don't know why they're looking to, for people to come forward with information because there was so much video footage went up online. It was very easy for the Gardaí to get their hands on the video footage and I know in the days after the incident there was a number of early morning raids on houses where people's mobile phones were taken away rather than the person themselves because obviously if people were stupid enough to share it online it was very easy to work out who's you know what what account it came from and whose phone it was from so the Gardaí went in grabbed all of the mobile phones and then were able to pinpoint in more detail and find out exactly who were driving uh, the cars. But the big one is it's four male juveniles. So they're all under the age of 18. What will happen to them when they go before the courts? This is the frustrating thing when, you know, any of these cases go uh, before. They seem to get a slap on the back of the wrist and it's almost like these young lads know that they're almost invincible because they're under the age of 18. It's almost like they're taunting the guy that he's saying, well, look, you can't do much. You know, you can't do much for me. I'm only 15. I'm 16. I'm 17. I'll go before the courts. I'll say, oh, look, judge, you're, I'm really sorry. And that's it. I'll walk away. And then will they go on to just be repeat offenders? So I think we need to really crack when these guys are caught doing that kind of. I mean, they, those female Gardaí could have been killed in that particular incident or anybody else that was around because there was a lot of reckless driving going on as well. 0818103103 and can I refer back to yesterday morning I think we were discussing a sense of humour and we were discussing people I suppose being careful now about what they say. I think it started out on my chat with Niall Barrett who was talking about referees and match officials and the abuse and the verbal abuse uh, that they take. And Niall Barrett was talking, I'm sure it was Niall was making the point that we live in a very different world now and people have to be very careful about what they say and that led to others talking about back in the day they were once messers but now you can't say anything because uh, people get so easily offended. And I was talking about, you know, it's kind of the woke generation that, you know, people are very mindful and very careful about what they say and is that leading to less people sense of humour is it is it affecting people's sense of humour and are people just not laughing and having the crack I think was how one person put it well a really interesting email in from I take it one of our new listeners to the programme uh, Gabby good to have you along uh, Gabby uh, who said I'd really like to comment on the topic on your programme yesterday about sense of humour our, our loss of sense of humour it's very important to distinguish between a good sense of humour 
and using someone else's weakness to make fun of them. The latter used to be tolerated because if we objected, we were ridiculed even more. So as a person who experienced lots of teasing as a child, which, by the way, seriously undermined my confidence and now working as a therapist, having seen similar and worse experience by clients, I am so glad that we are now able to stand up for ourselves and to tell the other person that their comments are not welcome. I'm a big, big advocate for laughter as it truly is the best uh, medicine, but not at the expense of uh, others. Looking forward to hearing you again. Best wishes, Gabby. Thank you for that. And Gabby actually works as as an art therapist. And Gabby, absolutely, you are 100% Uh, correct. That kind of teasing and mocking of people and while people may have said, oh, I was only missing, people do have to be very aware of the effects that that can have on people because that can end up, that is a form of bullying uh, as well. So certainly that wasn't what I was talking about yesterday when I was saying, have we lost our sense of humour? But we do seem to be living in a much more serious world and you are right uh, and you're right to be a big advocate of laughter because it truly is the best medicine. But thank you. Good to have you along and thank you for your email to Patricia at c103.ie. I mentioned about those four male juveniles who have been arrested, arrested in relation to the ongoing incident in Cherry Orchard uh, where they rammed a Garda car numerous times rammed a Garda car and I was making the point what will happen when these juveniles go before the court because it's very obvious they've got lots and lots of evidence it's very easy to pinpoint that these who who was actually responsible because of all the video evidence that they have and uh, you know it's made the point when they go before the courts will they just get a slap on the back of the wrist and will they be back out again ready to do it all over again. Uh, somebody, and then I was saying that Helen McEntee has come out very strongly about this and uh, she's announced there's going to be a number of new me- measures to tackle the ongoing issues of antisocial uh, behaviour. And this uh, says, Trish, on antisocial behaviour in Dublin and indeed anywhere else in Ireland, it isn't something that just happens in uh, Dublin. And you're asking what will happen when they go before the courts? Well, the answer is nothing at all. And not just because they're under the age of 18. It would be the same if they were over the age of 18. They won't even be named and shamed. What when they should be char- what they should be charged with is attempted murder of those two female Gardaí. Judges are as guilty as the criminals in Ireland. They need to make a right good example of these, and it might actually plant a seed of thought for others to maybe think twice instead of letting them off and then making heroes and role models of them to other other teens. And that's, I think you've made a really good point about making heroes and role models of them because that was the one thing that annoyed me when I watched that video footage was the others cheering them on and egging them on. And they were like, oh, go on, the legends, look what they're doing, they're legends. And then the big cheer when the guardy, whoever was driving that car, did the right thing, reversed and got the hell out of there as quickly as possible to protect herself and the other person who was in the car with her and everybody then uh, cheering. And of course, who were the real heroes on the day? The lads who were ramming uh, the car. Uh, the little thugs that they are. 0818103103. Thank you for your text. A reminder to you, with everybody struggling with fuel costs at the moment, we're trying to do our bit here at C103 to help everybody out. And we're inviting you every single Friday throughout the month of October to listen in and win with C103's free fuel Friday. Every Friday we will be giving away 100 euro fuel vouchers right across the day. What we'll be inviting you to do is to identify the star in the car 
Once the star in the car is identified, you'll then have to text or WhatsApp us. So make sure that our number is in your phone, 0862 103 103. And you can text or WhatsApp that number. That's C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil. It is starting this Friday in East Cork Oil. Serve Cork City and County and indeed they're right across Munster. And if you want to check out locations, you can. You can go online to your local oil company. I.E. Always local, only on C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Drivers of electric vehicles have been warned they will, um, will end up paying hundreds of euro more to charge their cars if they do not choose the right electricity provider and the right plan. Joining me to discuss analysis that's been carried out by the AA, I'm joined by Blake Boland. Good morning to you, Blake. Hello, Patricia. Uh, you, for having me well, on. You're, you're very welcome. Now, you looked at some of the different tariffs which would currently be available to EV drivers. Talk to me about what you discovered. Yeah, that's right. Now, we looked at a, a huge number of different tariffs between different providers, and the thing at the moment is they're changing so frequently. You'll know yourself every few weeks there seems to be a, a new race coming out. But yeah, we looked at, at the spread in there, and it was more about analysis of the different times that you might charge your day. And if you get the right rate with a smart meter and so on, it could be as much as three and a half times the amount that your neighbour next door could be paying to drive the same distance. That's a huge amount of savings. It is, yeah, yeah. And it comes down to somebody who has a, um, a smart meter, they might be able to get a night rate. And, and one example of that is Electric Ireland. They have a rate, which is the night boost. And you can get numbers that are as low as about about 12.5 cents per kilowatt hour or per unit, as we all might, might say normally. And that spans right up to, into the 40s with some other um, providers who are, you're just paying you know, a normal 24-hour rate. It's about three and a half times the difference. So with this night boost, what some uh, EV owners can do is that they can program their car. So they just plug in when they get home at night, but the car is programmed to only charge between 2 and 4 a.m. when they get that extremely cheap rate. And, But it's still cheaper uh, than driving a, a diesel or a petric, petrol car, even with the higher tariffs, is it? Oh, it looks like, yeah, it's a, it's a good bit cheaper, yeah. Now, you know, there's always going to be variations, the type of driving you do, your own driving style as well. Do you have a slightly smaller car or a bigger car than your neighbour? So, of course, there's always variations, but um, it still is significantly cheaper, even if you are paying one of those higher domestic rates that, that we're starting to see at the moment. And are you better off on one of these smart meters if you have an electric car? definitely works out in your favour if you're charging at the right time because you know a, a, a typical driver might use something like 4,000 units let's say now that's going to vary wildly of course depending on, on each person but that's a lot of, of electricity to be using so if you can half or in this case make it three and a half times cheaper to charge at those times then that really balances out the more expensive rates that you might be paying during the day but if you don't take advantage and you just charge your car at premium times then, then yeah. no you, you wouldn't be and you need to have a smart meter to program when the car gets charged. Um, no, you could program the, the car to do that itself oh, in general. Okay. Now, of course, some of the older cars won't have these features. Some of the newer ones are very, very um, particular in how they go about it. But you would need the smart meter to take advantage of the rates at any given time during a day. Yeah, so going on a yeah. flat rate is the worst thing you could do. 
Um, yeah, it will depend on each provider. Some of them offer, you know, what might be a fairly, and at the moment it's hard to say competitive, but relative yeah. to the market. Yeah. Um, so it's really about shopping around because whether you're rural or urban, you're going to be paying different flat rates. Um, maybe you've got a few kids in the house who are, have been uh, using an electric shower a lot in the morning and then you're not quite taking advantage of that night rate. So it's really about the individual and what we were there at the AA and the idea of the analysis was just to get people to think about how you're using your electricity if you do have an EV just to get those good rates. God, Blake, it's almost getting as complicated as trying to get your health insurance, isn't it, to work out? <laughs> it's, it's, it's unreal. It's yeah, it, it, it can be. And unfortunately, that's the way with um, when you're getting your domestic electricity. Um, there's so many different offers and there's signing on bonuses and so on. Yeah. But, you know, we're starting to build a nice little database of articles there on our website. Well that done. people can just jump on and have a look. You know, just, we have articles and we've, uh, we'll have a couple of videos coming out soon as well about how to charge your car, what time is the right way to do it, you know, different providers and, and so on. Okay, well done. And I know we had the Consumers Association on uh, yesterday because even as a consumer association, they say that they get confused when they're trying to work out which is the best option uh, for consumers. <laughs> and actually, they're calling on all of the electricity providers to start speaking in plain language and make it easier for people to understand. It doesn't need to be as complicated. Yeah, that that would help. You know, and, and, and our job here is just to, to represent our members um, and, you know, just to make their life as easy as possible. Um, and that's that's quite difficult at the moment, considering all the different rates that are going on. Mm. And it's a whole new world now, as uh, you know, as we seem to be transitioning over to electric vehicles. Yeah, talk um, to me, talk so to me about that. Are, are, are more are, are more and more of us now opting for electric cars? Oh yeah, we can see the numbers going up massively. So um, we just did some research on the back of this, and it was suggesting that year to date we are up about eighty percent in terms of adoption. And that's at a time when straight petrol and straight diesel, are, are especially diesel sales, are, are plummeting. So we can really see people making that transition and uh, many people are offering opting for hybrid or plug-in hybrid if they're not ready to go fully electric. But definitely there's, there's, a, there's a big change going on there at the moment. Are they still as expensive to buy? They traditionally are more expensive. If, if you take the, the counterparts, you know, if you took uh, the cheapest, um, let's say I was only testing the car there last week, but the, the Opel Corsa, and the price difference between the cheapest petrol version and the electric one was about 11 or 12,000 euros. So very significant. But if you go down into the weeds and you look at the spec sheets that's on offer, um, they're quite different cars in many ways. So, yes, as a general rule, they, they are more expensive. But we're hoping with um, you know, production increases around the world, as the battery supply increases, that these... Um, come down a bit. Yeah, the, the scale and then, of the And then, it, it, of course, it all depends on how much travel you actually do. Uh, if you're going to end up saving a lot, yeah, it, 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 you know, over a period of time, you get your money back. Um, it would, and that's what people need to do. Um, so there's this this idea that we all have, you know, maybe twenty or fifty or a hundred thousand euros in our in our back pockets that we just go down and buy a, a vehicle with cash, and and that's not really the case. Most people are financing it, and so if you're paying, you know, three hundred and fifty euros per month, or be it five hundred or six hundred, whatever it is. You got to look at it then. You know, what am I paying in tax? What's the maintenance going to be like over a few years? And especially, what's the cost to fuel the car going to be? And people can find that that difference is made back very, very quickly if you're paying financing rates. You know, I was in a taxi uh, uh, last week or the week before, and it was it was my first time in in a taxi that was uh, electric, and the taxi wow. driver was just saying it's been a game changer uh, for him. The amount of money he is saving. 
right. uh, by moving to to an electric car. I mean, he literally he had no complaints uh, at all, and they're fantastic cars. I mean, they've come on so much from when yeah. the first first EVs uh, came out. Somebody's wondering: Are there any? Are many second-hand EVs on the market? They they do exist. They're very difficult to get at the moment, and we've seen since um, Brexit in particular that the amount of tax that people are paying when they import them into the country, it's a little bit higher now and it's just making them less competitive to import. Mm. And unfortunately, we've actually seen a couple of um, of trades um, closing their, their doors because they simply just couldn't import the EVs to then redistribute in Ireland. So yes, they do exist, but uh, we're just so constrained by supply of EVs at the moment in general that it's going to take a long time for that used EV market then to, to blossom. Yeah, because people buy them and they they hang on to them for, for because because of the initial cost, the initial outlay. Yeah, that that's true, you know. And and I think we we have something, you know, just just above kind of fifty, sixty thousand uh, EVs now. And um, you know, how you break that down, we'll, we'll, we'll skew those numbers slightly. But we at this stage, you know, we need to have hundreds of thousands on the road when people start to sell on their five or their ten year old EV that other other people can then buy it, you know. Mm. Okay, and petrol and diesel prices, Blake. I can never have the AA on without talking about petrol and diesel prices. <laughs> Any, I mean, they've they've come down slightly. Uh, any signs in the coming weeks that we're going to get a bit of a boost at the petrol stations? Well, do you know, Patricia, if I could predict that exactly, ah. I'd be a very wealthy man. Um, but it looks like that the the energy market, um, right across between you know domestic electricity rates to, to the price of oil, etc., it, it looks like it's going to remain high. Um, and we've seen there at the recent budget as well that there wasn't uh, much of a change at the pump, although they did increase um, the duties. They dropped the, the NOR as well, so that balanced out the two cents. So um, I, I can't see them going back to, to where they were anytime soon. But yeah. as I said, if we could myself and you, we wouldn't be here talking yeah, today. Yeah, we, w- we wouldn't indeed. So our advice this morning to, e- to EV drivers, you need to shop around and you need to get the best rates. Do the math. Talk to other people. Maybe you have a cousin. Maybe you have a friend in work. Uh, maybe you know someone. Maybe the taxi man that picked you up. Yeah, for exactly. exactly. Uh, just ask, ask some questions about it and and find what's what's right for you because we're all different and we all need different things for me for our cars. You know. And Rory, my taxi man, would be only too thrilled to talk to people. Okay, listen, <laughs> and obviously people can check out on on the AA website as well because I said you've got um, some good analysis, uh, good work done there as well. That's right. We're up on all socials, be it TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can find us everywhere. Well yeah. done. Well done. Okay, Blake, thanks for that. Pleasure talking to you. Right. Thank you. Thanks Blake. for joining us. Bye bye. That is Blake Boland, who is with the AA, who conducted that analysis, just showing how much EV drivers can save if you choose the right electricity provider and the right plan. 0818103103. Can I just give a mention, because I saw this come in to John Paul on the phones this morning. Margaret, one of our listeners, has contacted us and John Paul said she was very, very upset on the phone when she contacted us. And the reason she's contacted us is she was in McCroom last Friday morning and she was planning to do her weekly shopping and she obviously has a little bit of a routine on a Friday that she'll go along to the post office, she'll pick up her pension and she'll do her bits and bobs and then she heads home. So last Friday was no different. She collected her pension. She then said she went to use the public toilet in the square in McCroom. Now she came out of the public toilet and then she sat down on the benches in the square in McCroom, just getting a little bit of a breather and getting herself together. And she was just checking her money and making sure she had everything that she needed as she headed off to do her weekly shopping. And she now thinks it was at that point she must have dropped her purse because she said when she checked 
her purse her money was in her purse and then she put her purse back in her bag or she thought she put her purse back in her bag but then when she headed off to go do her shopping she discovered that the purse was missing. Now she says it was between half past 12 and about 10 past 1 last Friday. So it was a short enough period of time. John Paul says she's terribly upset and she just wants to get her purse back along with all of her cards. Now obviously John Paul said to her, did you contact the bank about your cards and all that? And, and she has. But she just wants to get her purse and ideally she wants to get her money her money back. She did report it to the Gardaí in, in McCroom and she did check in with them in the hope because often what happens when somebody picks up a little wallet or a little purse like that, they'll go straight to the local Gardaí and hand it in. But unfortunately nobody's handed it in she also checked with super value to see maybe that somebody handed in there but unfortunately nobody has handed in the purse and so she then got decided that she'd get on to us as her local radio station for us to give it a shout out just in the hope that some honest person is listening and that somebody picked up that uh, purse and brought it home with the intention of, oh, you know, I must drop that into the car the station or I must try and find out who owns the purse. Maybe they were going to go through it because sometimes you get people who will go through the purse and they'll get a name and they'll try and track the person down. We've heard of that happening as well in the past. So if anybody, please, has any information or if anybody heard of somebody mentioning, oh, I found a purse in McCroom. It was just last Friday in a very short time period half past 12 and 10 past 1 so kind of just around lunch time can you contact us here please or if you just want to get on directly to the Gardaí in McCroom it would be fantastic if we could get Margaret's purse returned to her and uh, Margaret look after yourself and, and it's it's awful for something like that uh, to uh, happen so just be kind to yourself and mind yourself 0818103103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text your WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Rather annoyed to read that almost a million people across the country are using their toilet as a bin. It's according to a recent survey conducted by Irish Water, who, along with Clean Coasts, are once again urging the public to think before you flush. Pranchias Sotuma from Clean Coast Ballinamona uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Pranchias. Good morning, Patricia. Oh, How are you? Always great to talk to you. Now, the message Perfect. is a really simple one. It's the three Ps. Pee, poop and paper. Nothing else should go into a toilet. Why are we, can we not get that message through to people? Well, uh, maybe, I suppose, to start the conversation, the messaging really is put a bin into your bathroom. Yeah. That. So yeah. we'll start, we'll start with put a bin if it's, if it's the one thing you can do uh, on top of other things that we all have to do between rising energy costs and everything but ultimately put a bin in your bathroom uh, uh, and everything else goes in the bin pee poo and paper into the toilet everything else goes into the bin it's, <laughs> I just, well, it's, I, it's, it just feels weird talking about it like, I know, you know but that, like yeah. a, a bin in your bathroom is something I thought every house are you saying that there are houses that don't have a little bin? Well, the, re- the research and the findings and what we will pick up on a, on a beach clean or on a foreshore clean up would suggest that um, there's things like wet wipes, cotton buds or Q-tips, uh, sanitary waste. It's, it's all been put in the toilet um, and, and flushed. Uh, now, not only is it kind of making its way into the marine environment, but look, you know, if you don't want uh, some... Uh, 
company coming out with their vans and their rodding equipment to unblock your pipes and so on and so forth in the house uh, or, or, or have a nasty uh, uh, water overflowing from the toilet because of a blockage, you know, it's, it's very simple. I mean, you, you're, you're going to be saving money and you're going to be, you know, doing something really good for the environment as well. Yeah, and it's getting everyone on board in the house to make sure that everybody knows... Absolutely, and yeah. you know what? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, we 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 ran uh, something there, 2017, where where we had Ballycotton as the first thing before you flush village in in the country, um, where we we designed a tent card and we put it on. We we'll probably have to go back to that again, you know. But these look, these things cost money, and you're you're trying to watch your your finances and your resources, and you've got the, all the other bits and pieces. Look, it's 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 a very simple thing. It was a very simple project where you know someone in the household signed up to in in and this is what we did, Ballycotton where someone just signed up you had the conversation in the home the bin was put in and it's basically everything else goes in the bin so yeah. it could be wrappers it could be ends of you know uh, uh, bottles or wet wipes or makeup removing pads you know whatever it was that all went to the bin The, the wet wipes uh, Prunchies are they still one of the most common items that people uh, fl- flush away and talk to me about the problems that they then cause especially uh, on our coasts um, they, it doesn't even have to be in our coast. It could be in our, in our urban centres, in our towns, in our villages, in, in, in the city centre. Um, you see, w- w- what's happening is is that there's, there's another thing, you know, that kind of runs in conjunction with that is, let's say, the kitchen sink. So you've got the fat, oils and greases from cooking. So when you finish with your, your, your pan from cooking the, the Sunday roast or whatever it is you're cooking, be it, you know, sausages or a fry-up or whatever, ideally you'd use a bit of kitchen paper to wipe the pan and wipe the oil out of it. Don't let it, you know, I suppose, don't wash it down with hot water into the sink because it only goes a couple of feet before it congeals. It, it doesn't, it, it's slow to move down the pipe. And when it, see, what happens is then, so when it's meeting the wet wipes and the fat oils and greases, you get these things called fatbergs. And there's a guy, uh, a Cork City engineer, like this isn't like, you know, you, you see, I suppose, before we used to be uh, used to seeing this, you know, happening in the UK, fatbergs. I mean, this is happening in Cork. It's mm. happening in, in in other urban centres. I mean, Simon Lyons, who would be a Cork City engineer, is, is quite active on on uh, social media and Twitter and actually showing the effects and what they're actually cleaning up in, in let's say, in the city part of a thing where you have a, a big uh, uh, conglomeration of, 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 of toilets and sinks meeting up together. So, you know, it, it costs all of us money in our taxes to, to repair these things or if a pumping station goes out or, you know, and, and ultimately the ultimate price is that it, it's unsightly in washing up on our, our beaches and foreshores. And that's, of course, you know, affecting the tourism, you know, if people are going out for meals. I mean, you're, you're not going to go to a beach or you're not going to go to a, a centre or a place if there's going to be um, sewage-related litter washing up. Uh, and, and, when, and when you go out, you guys go out and do your cleanups. Are you finding stuff that you know would have gone down a toilet and then ended yeah. up on? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, one. Uh, let's say for you know, I, I suppose you know, Ballycotton Bay has improved dramatically. Um, I, I remember several years ago where we picked up about seventy-five um, cotton buds in in forty-five minutes from a a kind of a centralised area after a storm, which is where they had washed up. We're not finding that as much now. I mean, that you know, I suppose 
be it through actions of Irish Water, Clean Coast, ourselves locally in, in the campaigns that we run, we have seen a reduction in that kind of stuff. Great. But then there's other areas where you have, um, you know, uh, untreated sewage going in um, and, you know, you don't even have the, 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 the blessing of, of, of chicken wire to even, you know, take out solids or anything like that. And it's just washing straight out. So let's say uh, White Bay last year in, in an hour, I remember one of our volunteers had over 200 cotton buds from a, a, a very small area. Uh, yeah, and according to Irish Water and their survey, they're, they're pointing the finger at people under the age of 35 as the main, main culprits. Uh, does that surprise you? I would have thought the younger generation would have been much more conscious of these things. The, the the evidence, and this isn't me saying it, this is what the evidence is saying, is that, you know, it, it is uh, younger people, but it also can be people with, with small children who are using wipes for nappy changes or wiping ah. the faces and whatever have you, or cleaning the toilet, and then instead of, you know, putting it into the bin, it goes into Quickest the bathroom. Quickest thing is, the to- is, Exactly. Yeah. And, and look, it, it sometimes it's it's just... just a, 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 Simply ignorance and and not knowing. And look, if the packet of wet wipes says that they're flushable and they're biodegradable, they're not. A very simple experiment is if you take a, a watertight container and put some toilet paper in it with, with water, seal it up, shake it around, watch what happens with the toilet paper. You do that with a wet wipe you'll find a very different a very different result. It's not going to break down. So like if it says on the packet that they're flush, they're not, they're not. it takes they're ages. Not. It's like it's like a it, it's a misnomer. It's like a biodegradable balloon. I mean it's it it'll biodegrade over several years. I mean they're 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 awful bloody things to be to be releasing and letting go, you know? Um um so yeah, look it's it, it's just very simple. Sometimes it's just it's just a simple thing of people not knowing and, and you know the, the, the packet saying one thing but in actual practice it, it's really another Yes and Isna said we had a blockage in our estate a few months ago and I was talking to the lads that had to come out and free it they said it was condoms uh, was the problem again shouldn't be flushing them uh, down the toilet and I, I'll give you a better one I remember this was years ago now back when I lived in, in Clonmel in, in my family home there was a big blockage like that and the guys in the council had to come out and the rods and all the neighbours were out watching this and next anyway it was a big fat berg um, yeah. and one of the neighbours then said oh I emptied my deep fat fire down the toilet a few weeks ago Oh, and everyone just looked at this woman and said, "Really?" And but, said, but even the fact that that person said it yeah, out loud yeah, in a group yeah, really oh. just meant they didn't know any better. Yeah. But I mean, you today you're highlighting the issue, you're highlighting the problem. Um, you know that look, uh, and and it's a it's a continual thing. It's like this education piece is continual. It's, it's you have to kind of keep sometimes. Uh, banging the drum to 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 raise awareness and and to let people know that look it's it, it's not really a good idea. Uh, it can cost thousands. It can it can it can disrupt your water. It can cause thousands of euros worth of 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 damage to your own house. Let alone what it's what it's doing to well, the environment. So uh, yeah. just from a, a self centered you know that from a, a self preservation and a kind of minding your own wallet and minding your own bathroom floors or carpets or anything like that, you know, you don't want sewage related water. Well, it's you when, know, it's when you up. see what it does to the wildlife as well. It's just, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and I suppose I, I, I'm not one that kind of gets emotional about, you know, that side of things. I think it's really important and we, we just got to be practical, practical about it. And we've got to be solution focused. And the solution to this is people and paper into the toilet, everything else goes in the bin, fat soils and greases, wipe your pans after cooking, 
and and put the the, the kitchen paper into the bin, yeah. and then you're going to help prevent get him, and get them into, ex- get him into exactly. a, comp- a compost bin. Um, and the cleanups, uh, Punchy, is how they going? Uh, going well. We 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 have hopefully some exciting news happening in about a week or two. Go uh, on. So can you can to, you tell uh, us? No. I'm, oh. I'm, 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 what I'm doing here now is I'm sowing a seed with your Patricia. Okay. In a week's time that we we might have a bit of a bit of good news. Um, something something. Hopefully, hopefully we we've been working on it for about the last seven months. So hopefully it's. it's will you come back and, and talk I'll, to I'll us about? You, I'll, okay. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Uh, we've just also released our 2023 calendar. Okay. Uh, if if this is what keeps us uh, financially solvent in unrestricted funding, that we can go and pay our bills, uh, our maintenance, our insurances. Um, there is a lovely calendar. Pictures by Cahill Noonan and Sentio uh, Studios um, gave us their their images uh, free of charge. We've put them into a calendar. Um, it's cantlantrust.org is where you can order it for thirteen seventy five. You can have it delivered to your door, or it's available locally in in shops in in East Cork. Or contact us on social media if you if you're having difficulty finding one. We'll 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 get one to you somehow, Are they some way. Pictures of the coast. Absolutely, yeah. There's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what else well, could you put on the absolutely. calendar? Absolutely, and it's so you've got Ballycotton Island, you've Capel Island, you've some of the beaches in in, in East Cork that we we, we work upon. Gorgeous. Yeah, no, well, that's the fabulous, fabulous that's, calendar. That's our first plug for for a charity calendar for 2023 from uh, Clean Coast Ballinamona. We look forward to talking to you next week about your exciting news. Punches. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, fingers, fingers crossed. Thanks fingers a million. Crossed. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye, bye bye. That's the lovely Punches Othuma who runs uh, Clean Coast Ballinamona. Oh eight one eight. 103103. John Paul's taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Court Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to somebody who sent us in a picture of something that they spotted online on daft.ie. You know, you go into daft.ie if you want to buy a property or, of course, it's the main protocol that people go to if they're trying to rent a property. Now, I have to say that this particular studio apartment, and I'm going to use, I'll drop the word apartment, I'll just say studio, because I use, <laughs> you couldn't, to say apartment would be, I'd have to use that word very loosely, is in on the South Circle Road in Dublin 8, and when I went on to daft.ie uh, just to see if I could get more information about this studio, I can't actually uh, find it, but I'm just uh, breathless and aghast at the cost of trying to rent a property in Dublin, how anybody manages to work and live in Dublin if they've rent a property I really don't know how to do it but this one as uh, Barbara one of our listeners says gives a whole new meaning to Do- Dolly Parton singing how she stumbled out of bed and stumbled to the kitchen because it is a studio with a single bed lovely beautifully made up it looks spotlessly clean and it looks lovely and new as well so there's a single bed in the photograph but at the foot of the single bed is your kitchen area right at the foot of the bed you'd actually get your if you were very tall you did have your foot in the oven if you weren't careful. So there's an oven and a hob. It's a full oven. You can see the kettle and the toaster. The sink is there. And then move a little bit down from the, the bed along the kitchen section. There is your washing machine. And I imagine up on top that that is a little fridge. So I'm assuming there's then a separate 
bathroom and, sh- and shower room, a tiny shower, I imagine, a bathroom, for €1,795 per month. They have their cheek to say that that is the price they're asking for that studio. And no doubt the reason that I can't find it online, it probably got snapped up immediately because people are so desperate to rent properties. But it is crazy that you could ask anybody to live in that tiny little space and then to have to pay the bones of nearly €2,000 a month. I mean, in God's name, what kind of a wage would you need to be on? And you wouldn't have a hope, even if your wage could cover it, you wouldn't have a hope then of trying to save to get a deposit together in order to buy your own place. place. Uh, it really is daft, I have to say, considering it's on daft.ie. And then that reminded me of a story that I heard last week of a student in, I'm sure it was in Maynooth. I'm nearly convinced it was in Maynooth, but it was a student. I think I saw the conversation happening online, probably on Twitter, of a student renting a property in Maynooth, well, in a house share. And there's a double, happens to be a double bed in her room. And she got an email from her landlord just to let her know that he was subletting out half of her bed for €25 a night. So if she knew of anybody who wanted to rent out the other half of her bed for €25 a night, but just to let her know that's what he was doing so she could come home some evening to discover that somebody had booked the half a bed uh, I'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday and uh, Thursday and of course the problem that the young student had was it wasn't like she could turn around to the landlord and say forget that I'm going to move out because if she moves out where would she go so it's just really really uh, gone crazy we were talking about what not to flush down the toilet etc and of course Prunchius the Ross are talking about how it can, it can block up your own system whatever but we're trying to do it thinking about the environment and trying to think of wildlife but if you want to bring it back into your own home if you end up with a blockage in your house it could end up costing you a lot of money so have the chat with the family and make sure that the three P's are the only thing that's been put down the toilet and put a little bin If I'm shocked to think that somebody wouldn't have a little I have a little bin in, in my bathroom that gets emptied every week so I, I just can't understand why you wouldn't have a little bin in your bathroom Martin says Hi Patricia we recently had blocked drains from uh, the toilet now it wasn't our fault says Martin he jumps in straight away because we'd only recently moved into the house but I must say that the Cork County Council and Fitzgerald Construction were fantastic. One guy in particular, unfortunately, Martin can't remember his name. They spent four to five days at Martin's house fixing uh, the problem. Uh, but he's a definitely the guy that came was from Fitzgerald Construction. So well done. They did get the problem uh, sorted. And obviously it was the previous residents or maybe the residents before that. We don't know uh, for sure. Who had obviously put something down the toilet that wasn't one of the three P's and caused the uh, blockage. Thank you for your text, Martin, to 08. 08- Six two one zero three one zero three, and two more nursing homes. This is really worrying to hear. Two more nursing homes closing their doors. Why? Because of rising costs. There's also in- increased regulatory pressures and insufficient state subsidies for care. For, for care continues to threaten the survival, particularly of some of our smaller nursing homes and unfortunately one of them is one of our own and I can already see I'm getting texts in from people saying have you heard the news that Straw Hall Nursing Home in Formoy which has 30 
people living there is to close. The other one that's up for closure is one in, it's called Boyne Valley Nursing Home. It's in Drogheda in County Louth. There's 18 uh, residents living there at the moment. The two homes are the latest to shut their doors as small operators are facing these huge challenges. Now I saw in a piece in the Irish Times this morning that Nursing Homes uh, Ireland um, and that's Tyke Daly who we often speak with on the programme. Actually we might get Tyke to try and join us on the programme uh, tomorrow because he represents the private uh, nursing homes and the owners and he said that the closure of 12 nursing homes in recent weeks he's saying now look guys this is a wake up call and this problem can no longer be ignored he says it's incumbent upon the government to finally deliver a long term strategy to secure the financial stability of the sector now we contacted when we heard about this this morning we straight away reached out to Straw Hall uh, Nursing Home uh, to see if they would like to join us on the programme but uh, they have declined our our invitation and, and I imagine it's because they're all so upset and this wasn't a decision that they took took lightly or came lightly but they did issue us with a statement and they say it's a very sad day for us all at Straw Hall Nursing Home and we're forced to close a home that was first opened in 1998 they say it's a very difficult decision for us and not taken lightly we're proud of the homely environment we've created over the years and the high quality of care we've delivered however a viability of our small family run nursing home is now facing a number of significant challenges which unfortunately it cannot overcome and then when they go on to say to their loyal and dedicated team they're so grateful um, the wonderful residents and all their families and indeed the local community in Formoy they want to say a huge thank you to everybody who's been so supportive of Straw Hall uh, Nursing Home and then they say during this difficult transition they're now working with residents with staff and with families and they're going to endeavour to manage the process with the same intent integrity by which they've always delivered care. Finally, they say it is with heavy hearts we say goodbye. We remain immensely proud of our time with Straw Hall Nursing Home and treasure the friendships, the memories and the times we've had together. That really is just devastating for the owners and the staff of Straw Hall Nursing Home. But I imagine for the families of the 30 people who currently call Straw Hall Nursing Home home, they now have to be uprooted and get into a new routine and find a new place uh, to live. And for their families, of course, they'll want to find a new place to live as close as possible because anyone who has a loved one in a nursing home, will, you know, you want them to be close by you so that you can go and that you can call to see them and go and pop in as often as you can. And we know during COVID times that became such a huge issue for both the residents and for the families when people couldn't get in uh, to see them. So you will, they will want to try and move and live uh, as close as uh, possible and seemingly the Boyne Valley the other little nursing home that's uh, closing they've been open for for 25 uh, years uh, they're obviously very upset as well they're declining to comment but I did see at the Afina Gale TD for that area Fergus O'Dowd he made the point that moving people out of any home when closing creates huge trauma for the families because individuals are leaving an environment that they've become used to for many, many years and it has become their home. It has become their home. I don't know now with Straw Hall uh, how many of the residents, how long some of the residents, which can be guaranteed some of the residents have been probably calling Straw Hall home now for many, many years. And seemingly from 2018 
up to the end of last year. 29 nursing homes with fewer than 40 beds had uh, closed. So they're all the smaller ones. In the main, they are the smaller family run nursing homes. And they're the ones that a lot of people like the idea of putting their loved ones in or maybe the day will come when you need to move into a nursing home yourself. The idea of a smaller family run nursing home, particularly one that's in your local town or close by, is what a lot of people will uh, opt to. A number of the ones that are closed to date, increasing electricity and gas uh, bills, uh, obviously now are putting further, further pressure on the industry. Tig Daily uh, says that as an organisation, they've been writing to the government since the start of the year of these multiple closures. And he says that the fair deal scheme and that that's the subsidies that covers the cost of the nursing homes. He says it's not covering the cost of care. And I mean, we're, we're all noticing an increase in the cost of our electricity and our gas bills. And you can imagine for a nursing home, the very nature of the residents there. Heating is a huge issue. Keeping older people nice and toasty and warm and comfortable either in their beds or when they're spending time in the sitting rooms, etc. So they don't have the option of, as say a family will have the option of, OK, we're not going to put the heating on. We'll put it on an hour later today to save a little bit on the oil or the gas. Nursing homes simply can't do that. And then they've got the, you know, the electricity costs and they've no way of cutting back on any of those electricity costs. And we know how much electricity and gas and oil has gone up by. So that really is such sad, sad news uh, for everybody in the Fromoy uh, area with the announcement that Straw Hall Nursing Home, having been in business since 1998, is to close down. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. C103 Jobs. Avonmore Electrical in Mallow. They're looking for a trainee rewinding technician. Now, no previous experience is necessary. Training is to be provided. You need to email breed at avonmore-electrical.com. Little Haven Play School, they are in Union Hall. They're recruiting for an AIM Early Years Assistant for relief work. Minimum Level 5 qualification is essential. Email applications to the committee lhps at gmail.com A business development manager slash sales rep is wanted for a drain cleaning business seeing as we've just been discussing drains you must have good experience you also need to be highly motivated please 087 706 and an executive head chef is required at the Clonakilty Park Hotel CVs to M. Carolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by simply going online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie now, not everybody was happy to hear that secondary school teachers are being offered training in how to lead classroom lessons about alcohol by DrinkAware. The main criticism is that DrinkAware are funded by the drinks industry, including distilleries and breweries. The Alcohol Forum Ireland, they say schools should be a no-go area for the alcohol industry. And Paul Leonard, their national lead for community, joins me. Good morning to you, Paula. 
Good morning, and Howard. You're, you're very welcome to the programme. And I have to say, we did reach out to Drinkaware because we've spoken with Drinkaware before on the programme. But unfortunately, they tell us today that they have no one available to partake in this discussion. And they have sent us a very, very lengthy uh, statement, which, by the way, I'm not going to be able to read all of. But anyway, Drinkaware. It's, Paula, it's a junior cycle programme. And they, uh, Drinkaware say, it's based on evidence and best practice. Explain to us why you are so against Drinkaware we're operating this programme that's based on evidence and best practice. Okay, just to be really clear about this, one of the things since the sort of media, you know, spotlight that this has achieved since yesterday morning on foot of um, Deputy Shortall's questions, which we asked her to raise in October, um, and we're very delighted with her support, um, we want to be really clear that we haven't seen these materials. And Drink Aware were very clear yesterday on national radio that they were fully transparent. Um, if they were fully transparent, they would do like the HSE and have the materials available up for parents to see, for the HSE to see, for the Department of Health to see, and for yourself and all of your listeners to see, should you wish. Um, so I can't speak in specific terms about that, but what I can do is let you know that the World Health Organization, for example, has very recently launched its new European framework to reduce alcohol harm. And in that, they say that evidence-informed school, community and workplace programs should be delivered with no interference from the alcohol industry. Now, that position is the position of the health service executive, the Department of Health, and as of yesterday, a very clear statement from the Taoiseach, Michael Martin, um, to say that the alcohol industry has no place in Irish schools. So the situation that we're in right now is that DrinkAware, an organisation with very close funding ties to the alcohol industry, has continued and say that they intend to continue delivering a programme against the advice of government. Um, yeah, and, and as and you're right, you're, you're right to point out the the it's not just it's not just your good selves, HSC, Department of Health, and the Taoiseach yesterday, all all saying that it is inappropriate for any company or any char- they are a charity linked to the drinks uh, industry. Yet, Paula, I read fifteen thousand first to third year students have already gone through this program. Correct, um, and that is uh, an issue of great concern. And, you know, in the Cork and Kerry area, we do know that further teacher training is planned between now and Christmas. Um, I don't know what the uptake of that is. Drink Aware doesn't share that type of information. But we are calling on schools and the, you know, Cork Regional Drug and Alcohol Task Force and Community Action on Alcohol in Cork are writing to all of the schools with their community concerns and their parental concerns um, and raising awareness with schools because... You know, I think schools have unwittingly engaged with Drink Aware. Um, I would be very concerned, you know, do the parents of those 15,000 children know that a drinks industry funded charity has been delivering a programme that's not available and against best advice and against government advice to their children? You know, were the schools that engaged in it fully aware of and were their eyes opened around those links and around the fact that the WHO all of the global experts who are independent of the alcohol industry think that this type of programme simply isn't a good idea. Now, we've been writing to schools and campaigning at a grassroots level on this issue for quite a number of years. Um, we wrote to the Minister for Education, you know, uh, when at the time, um, you know, a number of iterations ago. Uh, so, 
we've really been concerned about this. And, you know, I think it's brilliant that on foot of those parliamentary questions asked recently by Deputy Shortall, there's now a public debate happening. Um, I'm on your radio show this morning. Parents will be listening to that. They'll now be better informed than they were. Um, and we're calling on Drink Aware to make the materials available and to get out of Irish schools. Um, yeah, because I know, I know one of Drink Aware's arguments was that while they may be funded by the alcohol industry, they're not run by the alcohol industry. But that obviously doesn't carry any clout with you. It doesn't carry any clout, not just with me as an individual or me as an advocate to reduce alcohol harm in Ireland, um, but it doesn't carry any weight with, for example, the World Health Organisation. Now, it are doesn't. the HSE, are the Department of Health, but yes, no. I saw when the Minister for Education was contacted about uh, the decision uh, to, to run the programme, she says it's down to individual schools and uh, teachers. I mean, the Department of Education and the Minister, she needs to step up on this one. Absolutely. They really now need to step up. And I think that, you know, it's no longer um, credible that the Minister for Education um, can hold that position. And we will be calling her on immediately to revise that position to meet with us or other people who are concerned about this and can demonstrate that, you know, these programmes are at best ineffective and at worst harmful. Um, you know, a review of the and a robust independent evaluation of the drink aware materials in the schools in the UK found that, you know, they normalised alcohol consumption. They showed basically what looked like alcohol ads in them. They included nudges to drinking um, and they completely ignored, you know, things like things that have stronger evidence. So they didn't talk to people about um, pricing of alcohol, marketing of alcohol, the impact that ads have on young people. So it ignored the things that we know work and it concentrated on things like personal choices. So it shouldn't be a personal choice. But we, we, have, we, have no way, we have no way of knowing what's contained in the Drinkaware. Not one, in because, Yeah, Not yeah. And, then, and then I saw, you know, that Drinkaware in their statement to us acknowledge uh, underage drinking. They acknowledge levels of binge drinking, particularly amongst younger people. It, it's continuing to rise. And they say that their programme is the only national primary prevention alcohol education programme and primary prevention is critical uh, to tackling underage drinking. Therein lies the problem. Do we need to have an alcohol education programme that is run by the Department of Education, not run by anyone associated with the drinks industry? Okay, so the HSE work with the Department of Education across quite a range of sort of well-being programmes in our schools. I think it lies best with them, um, but, you know, it should be delivered by teachers in their own classroom situation. That's what the evidence says works best. The HSE do have um, a school-based programme but for senior cycle. They do have plans and are at a late stage of development of, you know, programmes for the junior cycle. So yesterday, the CEO of Drink Aware said that they're filling a gap. So the question is very clearly, when that gap is filled by the HSE, um, who don't approve of the Drink Aware programme, will they then exit Irish schools? The gap has been filled and there will be no reason for them to be there. We don't think there's a reason for them to be there anyway. But even using their own logic and rationale, is it their plan to leave Irish schools and leave Irish children alone and leave their teacher training programme 
when the gap is filled, which it will be shortly by the Health Service Executive with their junior cycle programme and materials. Okay, and I do know at the end of their statement to us, uh, Drink Aware are now requesting uh, that they be given the opportunity to brief the Education Health uh, Committee, the HSE and Healthy Ireland on the programme in its entirety. But one would straight away think, should they not have done that before they ever went into training teachers to go back to the schools? Um, you know, I don't, they don't have any place in Irish schools. They shouldn't have been in, there in the first place. We've been writing to schools for a number of years in relation to this. So for me, really, that's sort of an academic argument. Um, the World Health Organization, the Department of Health, the HSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They are very clear. They don't have a place in Irish schools. Um, you know, there is a conflict of interest. They take funding from very significant players in the alcohol industry. And that creates, we believe, a fundamental conflict of interest and they shouldn't be in Irish schools. Okay, so I take it you are 100% backing the HSE's Coordinator for Drug and Alcohol Services here in in Cork and Kerry, uh, David Lane. He seemingly is writing to every single secondary school in the region this week, urging them against sending teachers to take part in the Drink Aware programme. Absolutely. Uh, David and I have been working together on this you know, over the past number of years, he has shown great leadership locally um, and what they are doing, you know, through their community action is they're asking schools and also raising awareness with schools. I think previous to this week, there may have been many schools that weren't aware of the conflicts of interest. I don't think that they can hold that position anymore. Um, and I think that the letter writing campaign from David and his colleagues in Southern Regional Drug and Alcohol Task Force and Community Action and Alcohol in Cork City. I think it's really, really welcome. Um, and, you know, let's see how that goes. OK, um, okay. well, the, the ball is rolling now because I think certainly when I mentioned it this morning, I, I, we had uh, texts and calls in from parents of teenagers who were totally unaware that a programme like this was operating in schools, that they'd get a note home to say, we're going to be doing this with the children. But I was wondering how many of the schools would have been informed that the training had come via Drink Aware. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's wide open now and people are informed, which is a great place to be. OK, and okay. just by, by the way, the Alcohol Forum Ireland, tell me a little bit about yourselves. Well, Alcohol Forum Ireland um, is largely based in the northwest. You know, we have office spaces in Cork, in Cavan, or sorry, in, excuse me, Sligo, in Cavan and in Donegal. Okay. So the organisation provides a range of sort of addiction support services, family support services in that region. But we've been supporting community action on alcohol with regional and local drug and alcohol task forces at a national level over the last number of years. And that's a really great and really exciting place to be in. And I love it. Well done. Well done. Pleasure talking to you, Paula. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye-bye. Paula Leonard there, National Lead for Community with the Alcohol Forum of Ireland. Okay. Um, And as I say, the Taoiseach got involved in this yesterday, uh, Micheál Martin, when he was asked about the fact that there was a lot of media attention on the fact that Drinkaware was involved. And, 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 you know, I think the problem with Drinkaware is the fact that they are funded by the alcohol industry. Now, they never, they've never hidden the fact that they're funded by the alcohol in, industry. But the very fact that Drinkaware are offering the teachers the training against the advice of the HSE and the Department of Health. So Michael Martin was asked about it, and I quote from Michael Martin, he said, I don't think the drinks, drinks industry should be near schools in respect respect of anything to do with addiction generally. And he says, I think many of the schools are probably entering in good faith. They're anxious to try and help students and to help young people. Yeah, and I'd 100% agree with that. I don't don't think any of the uh, schools would have realised they just saw this as something, uh, a really good tool for their teachers a learning tool for their teachers that they could then bring back into the classroom. 0818103103. John Paul's taking calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Now, every day can be an uphill challenge for Jack and Jill families. And this October, the charity once again is urging people to climb or walk a local hill in solidarity with the Cork families currently under its care as part of their annual Up the Hill for Jack and Jill campaign. Joining me is the CEO of the Jack and Jill Foundation, that's Carmel Doyle. Good morning to you, Carmel. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. Well, great to to talk to you. And in just a couple of minutes, I'll be speaking with one of uh, your Cork uh, families who have benefited uh, and is benefiting uh, from the fantastic services that you provide at uh, Jack and Jill. So just tell me, how many Cork families are you currently working with, Carmel? 51. So we have over 400 children across the country, Patricia, and 51 are based in Cork. And I'm actually calling you from Nace at the moment. And I've just been in with Eileen Niverku, our local uh, Cork liaison nurse manager. So shout out to all our Cork nurses who provide such a wonderful, beneficial service to all our Cork families. Um, We have very good community links in Cork. And I'm privileged to be on the same line and listening to Emer in a little while because nobody talks about the service quite like 
a Jack and Jill mum. 100 percent. Just 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 remind listeners, Carmel, what you do to help these families. Sure. So Jack and Jill has been going now for 25 years. And what we do is we fund and deliver specialist home nursing care and end of life care for children who need it. And that's from birth to six years of age. These are children with highly complex um, life limiting medical conditions. Um, and our mission is to empower parents and to help them really to just um, walk this difficult care journey. Because underneath all of this complexity, uh, Patricia, and all the disability that our children and our families face, we know these children do better at home mm. where they belong in their community. And so our nurses are very practical. They go and usually get to know families through the maternity ward. They'll go and meet them at home, assess the situation. And within 48 hours, we'll have some practical help into the home to give mum and dad um, a break um, because it is quite a challenge to look after a child with highly complex medical conditions. You you can't really ask a neighbour. Carmel, how how do you connect with the families? How do you find out? I mean, how did you find our 51 families here in Cork? Usually through the maternity ward or through the public health nurse system or the social care system or sometimes, Patricia, it's self-referral. So uh, we look after children who have neurodevelopmental delay um, and some of them are so rare in terms of their condition, they don't get a diagnosis. But we usually get in touch with a family through a friendly nurse who'll say, look, I think you could do with meeting you know, Eileen from Jack and Jill and just assess the situation and see how they can help because you're going to need some help. Um, because again, just even to, to your listeners who have, who go home with a newborn child, that's one thing. But with a Jack and Jill child, you could be talking to, you could be talking about 20 pieces of medical equipment, mm. a child who's tube fed, taking seizures, highly complex, you know, it, this is a child that needs 24-7 care and our parents do a great job, but they need a little bit of a break yeah. and that's where our Jack 100%. and Jill nurses come in. And what is incredible about Jack and Jill at Carmel, your service is really unique, no means test and no waiting lists. No, no, never been a means tested and uh, we haven't got a waiting list, thankfully. Um, and that's a credit to our network locally we're able to find and fund local nurses to make sure they can provide practical care to these 51 families in Cork and I salute our nurses we've we've been doing this for 25 years it is difficult though when you consider we have over 400 children that's quite a big responsibility and our care regime is for up to six years so it's not like we're giving them a weekend of respite you know we're, we're, we're there with the family from from birth to six years of age. So we'll fund up to 80 hours of home nursing care per family. And it takes a lot of care capital to, to do that. And that's why we have to have fundraisers like okay. Up the Hill for Jack and Jill. And I'll know? talk to you about the fundraising in a moment, because, but I want to bring in one of your incredible families. And this is uh, Emer Kelleher from uh, Ballyhooley. Uh, good morning to you, Emer. Good morning. And, and How are you? I'm very well and, 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 and delighted that you're you're joining us. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your precious little boy, Connor. I believe he's five now. Yeah, Con- so um, Connor is five and he'll be six at Christmas or that in December. Um, so Connor has a very rare condition. It's um, called MPPH syndrome. He's like one of very few in the world. I think he's one of about 30 in the world with this particular condition. So um, very rare and very kind of unpredictable, I suppose, um, the future in that with Connor. But he would have a lot of complex needs and would have a lot of underlying conditions. You know, he would 
um, have epilepsy and he'd have a visual impairment and um, a lot of swallow issues, so kind of difficulty managing his own secretions and that, and he's peg-fed, um, and he would be a full-time wheelchair user, so he would be entirely physically dependent on us for all sort, for every type of care, like it's 24-7 care that we um, give Connor, and obviously he's our little boy, like so we love doing this. Like, but to reiterate the point that um, Carmen was making, like, the actual help and support that families like ours receive from the Jack and Jill Foundation, like our two nurses, Joanne and Tricia, have been coming into us since Connor is about seven months old, and they know him now as well as we do. And as I've always said, the first two people that I will ring when I'm not happy with Connor will be either Joanne and Tricia, and yeah. I will just. I'd, like, I'd say at this stage they're almost part of the family, are they? They are. Yeah. They genuinely are. They are. They yeah. come in, and it's like you know, and it's the, it's. When you have a child like Connor, it is 24-7 and you are like, you know, you sometimes I still to this day, I like look at him sitting in his chair and I'm like, oh, I don't like the look of him. But if I know the nurses or the girls are coming in later on that evening, I'm like, OK, no, I'm OK. Like, you know, I'll tell them I'm not happy or have a look at him or what do they think of him? And it's the one time as a family that you don't have to think about the medical needs or you do not have to be kind of sitting there wondering, is he OK? because I know he's okay when Jack and Jill are in, because you cannot, you know, asking grandparents or asking neighbours, you can't ask grandparents no. or neighbours. No, You can't. Not when and have you have you other children, Ema? Uh, yeah, so um, we have another little boy. He's just gone one, actually. So, um, like, so Jude just arrived there September 12 months ago, and he's been um, a fantastic addition to our family. But, like, around the time that we were having him, like, you know, we had all Joanne and Trisha lined up and they were an unbelievable support. And Eileen Niveriku, like Carmel mentioned her earlier, like, they just rolled in, the Jack and Jill Foundation rolled in behind us um, and always do. And I know if I picked up the phone to Eileen at any stage, like, even after we transitioned out to Jack and Jill, I'd say she would take my call and be like, oh, God, okay, you know, you know, We'll we'll give you a hand out or okay, I'll see what I can do like in the background, like and um so when Jude arrived, like they were the people that we told, like I was had a planned section and they were the only people we told <laughs> the date that it was planned for because they came in, they minded Connor and to do that, like I genuinely don't think we would have gone on and had another child without the support of Jack and Jill, like without the and, and Emma, before Connor uh, was born, would you have been aware of the work of Jack and Jill? You know, I think it's funny because unless you're in this world, you're not aware of the world. And until you actually enter into the world of Jack and Jill or the world of a child with complex needs, it's kind of a bit removed from you. I'd heard of Jack and Jill, but I didn't really know what they did on a detailed basis, like, you know, or what it practically means to families like ours and the actual headspace that you get back when you have your nurses coming in and the chance to just breathe and relax and that cannot be underestimated like you know even on a good day you know when Connor's well and that and we have our nurses in it gives us that opportunity to just like hang out with Jude and just kind of like be yeah, typical because parents he's, he's got, yeah, he's got a, care needs as well and he, yeah, he needs his mommy and his daddy and, and all he knows is like peg feeding and yeah. syringes and medicine and you know, pumps and things like that and suction machines and all those things. That's all he knows, like, you know. So when you have your nurses in, first of all, we know that Connor is taken care of. It gives me and Richie that kind of headspace. And it allows, it allows us then to kind of hang out with Jude and just enjoy that moment for what it is without the worry of, like, 
oh my God, I have to, you know, do this. Yeah, how do is, that how is Connor? Yeah, is he breathing yeah. funny? Is he, yeah, yeah. is his colour yeah, a bit God, off? I exactly, I don't like the colour of him there. Yeah. Oh God, he looks a bit funny in that. Um, and, and outside of all of those, you know, really tough, complex needs, uh, Emer, wh- what is Connor like as a little boy? Connor is, like, and I suppose that's the point that we always try and get across. And I suppose that's something that our nurses do see and that's lovely for us to see that despite all the complexity and you read Connor on paper and you read his medical diagnosis and you're like oh my god this child is like what are we coming into but Connor is amazing Connor has such personality he's full of smiles he's he's non-verbal and he wouldn't be able to communicate but to us Connor communicates and lets us know exactly what he wants to do and more importantly what he doesn't want want to do he's full of chat he's full of Devilment, um, you know, and he's he's just a wonderful boy. And like, I suppose that's all you ever want to see when you have a child. You want your child to be happy, full stop, no matter what their needs. But when you have a child um, with complex needs, all you want them is to be happy. And Connor is happy. Like he is, gives so much personality. Like I've seen them even in hospital, you know, when we've been in and he's been sick and he's been prodded and poked and everyone says like, oh, he's so good, like he tolerates so much and he really, really does. And But he's so happy. and he's, It's just lovely to get to know him and to see him for him, like beyond all the medical diagnosis. Yeah, he's your little boy. And that's and that, what he'll always be, yeah. And that's and that's what people don't realise. Yes, there's all this complexity, but the same as that, he's still a typical five-year-old in his own way. He just goes about world in his world in a different kind of non-typical way. But he goes he about it in Connor's way. It's, in, it's and Connor's that's just world, Connor, like, yeah. You know, in and he's in, he's in school. Yeah, so he attends um, St. Paul's School in um, uh, Montanati, so it's a special school. Yeah. And um, they are fantastic. Like, they are just, they've made him, like, as well in the last, he started there September 12 months ago. And he, they, they as well, like Jack and Jill, they look beyond his, like, medical diagnosis and they see the potential in him and they see the warmth and the personality and they allow that to come out. And that's, that's just so, you know, the notes home from school are, oh, he was in great form and he was practicing loads of stuff and doing this and doing that. And that's just, that's, that just makes our day. It makes us, it makes it so important for him and for us, like, to see that personality and to allow that to develop. Like. Well done. Well done. You and uh, Richie sound like incredible parents and Connor and Jude are blessed <laughs> to have you both uh, in their lives. Well, like, we're not, though, yeah. like, we're, because any other parent, in, like, in our situation would, would do everything and everyone does everything for their kids. Yeah. We're no different. Like, I know, you know, I know. I know. Listen, uh, just stay there. I want to bring back in uh, Carmel uh, for a sec. Uh, Carmel, uh, that's exactly what you say. You know, Emer is summing up the difference that it's making in their world, not just to Connor's life, but to their world and to the uh, to the little you. You also have to think of the siblings uh, as well. So it's it's everybody benefits from Jack and Jill. Absolutely. It's a real family. We're child and family centred. We're in the community and hats off to Emer. Thank you so much for describing it so eloquently. Yeah. And, and I have to say, Connor sounds like a hoot. I love the devilment <laughs> yeah. in him. I love the personality and people yeah. have to see that underneath yeah. the complex and underneath the complexity. You've got a child who wants to be at home playing with uh, his brother Jude and, you know, at school and smiling. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So tell us how we can all help out with the Up the Hill for Jack and Jill.
Exactly. Well, jackandjill.ie, you can register today and we're asking people in the month of October to climb a hill for Jack and Jill. Big hill, small hill, somewhere in between. And the magic number is 18 euro. There's no need for a sponsorship card or anything like that. 18 euro to register and that funds one hour of home nursing care for a child like Connor. And if I can, and and, and we just we just recently joined us, uh, Linda Egan from Kinsale, and she asked me, she's been at the meeting. We also have an Odlum's cookbook just on sale from today in Dunn stores and that's uh, 25 euro and all the proceeds go to Jack and Jill um, and that's going to sell out like hotcakes as well. So, you know, whether you go up a hill for Jack and Jill or bake a hill of cakes with your Odlum's cookbook, you know, there's always a way to help us. And we depend so much on local people power to keep Jack and Jill going. And I have to salute our families and our nurses because it's a privilege to be the CEO of such a wonderful organisation. Okay, and Emer, obviously you're encouraging people to get involved in any way they can. In any way they can to support Jack and Jill. Like, as you've mentioned, I wouldn't have really known about Jack and Jill before they became one of the biggest parts of our lives. But the, that 18 hours or that hour, that like that 18 euros or that, that one hour that you can offer to families like mine, do not underestimate the impact that that could have on, on our families. It is absolutely an amazing service and I would strongly recommend in any way that you could support Jack and Jill. Okay, we wish you uh, luck with the fundraising, uh, Carmel, and to Emer and your little family and little Connor. Uh, continue good health to uh, yes. Connor and thanks a million to both of you for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks. Good morning. Bye bye. Yeah, Carmel Doyle is from CEO of the Jack and Jill uh, Foundation, and a huge, huge thank you uh, to Emer uh, Kelleher, who is mum of little Connor living in Ballyhooley, just out aside from where I always have great appreciation for parents who take time out to talk because it isn't the easiest thing. They they lead such busy, busy uh, lives, and uh, she, I think, really summing up just how important the Jack and Jill Foundation are for those families. But incredible to think. There are 51 of those families here in Cork. So anything that we can do to keep the fantastic work going of Jack and Jill. Um, I'm a great, uh, great fan of their charity. I think they're absolutely amazing. Jackandjill.ie if you want to help out in any way. 0818103103. John Paul continues to take your calls this morning. You can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you, John. Uh, listening to my interview in the last hour with the Jack and Jill Foundation, John says, Patricia, what a lovely, articulate woman Emer is. The love of her son, Connor, shines through. God bless her and Connor. People should absolutely support uh, Jack and Jill. Thank you for that, uh, John. And remember, Emer is just one. There are 51 families who are benefiting from Jack and Jill and they and I mentioned this earlier they, are, they really are families that a lot of other people may not be aware of because of a lot of the care and attention for these very very special little children happens behind closed doors and people would be even unaware that there are Jack and Jill nurses maybe even in their uh, own uh, neighbourhood so anything we can do to support Jack and Jill 100% with you John thank you for that and, and you were right uh, to call out Emer she did the, the love oozed out of every single word when she was 
was talking about her special little boy. Thank you for your text 0862103103. I spoke earlier about the car ramming incident, the guard the car ramming incident up in Cherrywood. Uh, estate in Cherry Orchard Estate in Dublin that happened back in the middle of September and the reason I mentioned it today was four juveniles now have been arrested and are waiting to go before the uh, courts and you know the conversation then was around what will happen to them we'll, we'll follow it with great interest and when we get any update on it I certainly will bring it to you somebody else then listening to that uh, has an issue about cars driving around with noisy exhausts this listener is living in the Mitchellstown area and she said last Saturday evening, she said it was a green Honda car. It was making so much noise driving around the town. It was very, very annoying to people and it was very loud. I wish the Gardaí would do something uh, about it. And th- this I take from that text isn't somebody who suddenly, you know, anything something can happen to your car and there'll be a problem with your exhaust and it'll be making horrendous noise until you can get it to your local garage to get it sorted out. I take it this is... Uh, I mean, I'm not into that much into cars. I know how to drive it and that's about it. But I take it, can they do something to the exhausts to make them as noisy as possible? And they love the idea of revving up and making you know as much noise as possible. I'm, I'm assuming that's what this listener is talking about. And is that illegal? I don't know. 0818103103. Do other people have a problem with that? People deliberately driving around making a lot of noise from their car. Um, we've had a couple of people then. Peggy's looking for advice. She is in a house for the last 42 years. Uh, they have double glazed windows. Um, but the seal has gone on one of the windows and she's wondering, does anybody know, are there any grants available? Somebody told her because she already has the double glazing in that she's not entitled to any, any uh, grants. And there are a variety of different grants. And I don't quite know, do you own the house, Peggy? Is it owner occupied? Is it a council house? I, I'm not uh, too sure because there are a variety of different grants that are available. I don't know if there's one specifically available to replace seals on windows, even though that's something to make the house more energy efficient. I can see why you're trying to do it. If anybody knows of a grant or anywhere we can point the direction we can point Peggy in, let us know, please. And Nora in Donnerell was on to us to say, is anybody in need of glass jam jars? She has a load of them and she's thinking somebody might need them for jam. I don't know if people are still making uh, jam or is that season for jam making gone. Uh, but we're coming into chutney making season. Somebody might like them for making chutneys. Or she's wondering maybe an arts class might be able to use them. She's in the Donnerail area. If it's of any use, she doesn't just want to bring them to recycling. If she can pass them on to somebody who can make use of them. So we have Nora in Donnerail. We have all of her details if anybody wants those glass jam jars. And then Pat in Formoy, when we've been talking about energy and the cost of energy and the price of energy is wondering why don't we look at privatising companies? Why do we not why don't we look at the private companies that are operating energy and why don't we nationalise the, se- the sector and just have one company? None of them for example he says are producing gas they're all buying it in. So what what I'm I'm assuming Pat is suggesting is that we go back to the way it was where we had one energy supplier in this country and they of course were the ESB. Uh, we had one provider of our phones. It initially was called, was it, was it once called the P&T? Was that what it was? It used to be Aircom. Uh, so one provider for phones and we had a gas board who provided gas and, and they, that's the way they, they were all run. They were uh, run by the government and, and off we went. And then we decided we'd sell them off and 
and then it opened up competition. And Pat, the problem that you would have if we didn't have private companies is you wouldn't have competition. You wouldn't have people saying, well, I can produce that cheaper or I can offer that cheaper. That was the idea of going with privatisation was to give more choice uh, to customers. But Pat is wondering, as everybody now is paying huge electricity and gas bills, do we need to relook at that again and nationalise uh, the the companies instead and get rid of all of the different private operators. Your thoughts welcomed on that 0818 103 103 and John Paul says he said a number of calls this morning all of a similar vein and I think this is going to be the start of them. Electricity bills are starting to arrive. People who this will be the electricity bills for August and September and actually I'm due one very soon and I'm just I keep checking I get mine emailed to me and I keep checking my email every morning to see and then I was just checking it was the 8th of August I think when I got the last one so I'm going to have to wait until at least probably the 8th of the month and I can't I'm almost holding my breath to see what the, what our electricity bill is going to be like but anyway uh, Joe got received his and his latest electricity bill has gone from 50 euro to 160 euro it's tripled and it's tripled when you think about it in the summer months when you think we don't use, as, well, we certainly don't use as much electricity as we do when, say, the dark evenings come in or when we get into uh, the uh, winter months. So the main reason he contacted us this morning, he was wondering when the fuel allowance bonus uh, is going to be paid because he, he doesn't have the €160, Euros, so he's going to hold out until he gets that. I, must ch- I haven't got the list in front of me now. I know John Paul might have it. Is the fuel is the fuel allowance October or is it November? The October, November. Okay, so it's November before the double fuel allowance. So you've got a bit of a wait on 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 that. But I don't. Know, do you have two months in which to pay your electric uh, bill? But your but John but John Paul says he's getting other similar calls. People are saying, but a tripling of a bill. I mean, most people are saying they will be absolutely gutted if their bill doubles. But to have one that has tripled is incredible and the fact that you were only paying 50 euro you haven't been using a lot of electricity obviously and for it to go up to 160 euro is really really incredible and then Joe has an add-on issue going on at the moment on top of worrying about this electricity bill and he's taken some comfort that the bonus will be in for the fuel allowance and that will be able to, uh, to pay that off at least but he also has a toothache uh, he reckons he needs his tooth needs to be pulled but he's got the problem he's on a medical card can't find any dentist in his area I'm just trying to see do I, it doesn't say where what area Joe is in can't find any dentist in his area he's rung a number of them and they said no now that's listen that's an issue we've dealt with before we know dentists are not taking medical card uh, patients he is uh, so he says he's going to have to go private so he's going to, have to come up with the money now to get a dental practice to take him uh, privately and, and I know oral health was mentioned in the budget we didn't get a lot of detail in it but they certainly said that money was going to be put into oral health now I know some of it was to do with orthodontics for children I don't know is any of it been set aside to try to get back into negotiations with the Irish Dental Association who say that the current system in place is simply not working it's not fit for practice Um, and that's why so many have decided to opt out of medical cards and they're no longer accepting medical card uh, patients. And that number, the number of dentists who treat medical card patients is getting smaller and smaller and smaller every month. And that's why you have a situation like Joe who has a toothache at the moment and he needs to have his tooth taken out 
and uh, he can't get a dentist unless he can come up with the money to pay for it privately. Shocking, shocking. 0818 Noisy cars, Joe is in Kilmallock. Uh, good afternoon to you, Joe. Hello, Patricia, hello. Uh, okay, you heard me mention somebody was saying about a car in Mitchellstown that was driving around with a no, 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 noisy exhaust. You have the, the same problem? We have the same problem here. A car goes up and down here and then noise out. You can hear inside in the sitting room. And these are all, these exhausts, you can buy them in garages. Ah. And, you can, and, and you, they're already, whatever sound they want on it, you just put it in. And that's changing the, 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 the car. And I don't think they should be even insured. Is it illegal? I think it is, yes. We'll, ch- we'll, some, we'll check with the Gardaí. Yes, there was something about that one time. That if you, and the insurance company would ask you that. Did you, did you modify the, your car? Well, they did if they changed the exhaust. That's a good point. That's co- so are they covered by their insurance? Yes, and I don't think they should. But we also need to, somebody else is saying that that green um, Honda, that, that, oh no, somebody else says there's a green BMW with a very noisy exhaust. It's in the Kilmichael area. So it seems to be all over the place. But you say it's something you can buy and they, can, fit, yes. they fit it into yeah. the exhaust. Yeah, and they fit it in. You can buy the exhaust with any sound you want. And some of them, there's like a gun going off. More of them, you have this loud noise, and uh, and more of them, then it's it, oh, it's crazy. It goes up and down, up and down, and they it, they're all over the place. And I don't think that they, it, I think the car insurance companies should not insure those yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And the one in your area in Kilmallock, do you reckon it's the one car, or are there a number of cars? I think there's two or three of them, but there's the a, one right. that there, there, there is one, and it's it's uh, you can hear it inside the sitting room. And. The people driving it, but they think it's cool, is it? Is this... Oh, they think it's cool. They, oh, think, they? They, 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 they think it's cool. Is it? <sighs> I don't think it is. No, it isn't. But it isn't if it's disturbing people. Okay, Joe, listen, thanks for that. Okay. And okay, uh, thank thanks you. for joining us. Okay. And then remember yesterday I had a text in from a listener who was at, try, trying to find out if we could find out was the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road closed. So we, I went online to Cork County Council uh, to discover the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road, major roadworks going on on that road. And it closed, it was due to close in the middle of last week and it's closing, it's not going to reopen fully until March of next year because it's a big, big job. And listen, nobody is giving out about the road closing because that road uh, so needs uh, to be upgraded and, and we've people have waited, who use that road have waited long enough for the road to be uh, updated. Uh, but somebody obviously needed to travel on the road and was wondering, you know, sometimes they'll put up a road closure and it mightn't happen for a day or two. So the sister was wondering whether they drive on the road or not. Anyway, the listener said they decided to take the chance and they drove uh, on it and while it is closed the sister said I still managed to get to Mitchellstown via Shambally Moor Village thanks to the directions of a local man it added about 10 minutes to the uh, journey so well done you can't beat the little bit of uh, local knowledge and also just to let people know with somebody else travelling from Mitchellstown to Kildallery and they say that while the road is officially closed you can still travel from Mitchellstown to Kildallery but once you get to Kildallery then you're boom, gone. The road is uh, closed and this contacted us this morning said a lot of people decided to chance it and say yeah sure I'll make it through it might be fully closed and then once they got to Kildallery because it is closed and there was a big sign up saying road closed but what happened then was a lot of other drivers were thinking the same thing and this listener said there was a lot there was a build up of traffic there yesterday and it got quite dangerous at one stage one caller actually met another driver this morning who said that at one stage yesterday they were going to ring 999 
that it got so dangerous. Okay, so just to let people know, the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road, while it might mightn't look like it's closed, you're going to drive a section of it and then you're going to find out that it's closed. I would be suggesting if you need to travel on that road, and I actually need to get to Kilkenny on uh, Friday, um, and so does John Paul, and we were just talking about it when we were back in the office this morning, we're just going to travel a veer from Moy, and I would be saying to anybody else that is the best thing uh, to do, unless, like that other listener, you can meet somebody that has all of the local knowledge, but that those roadworks are going on, as I say, until at least March of next uh, year. That's the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road. 0818103103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Shambally Moore, bingo is on tonight, 8 o'clock. Now, their jackpot is 2,900 calls, and that'll be in 48 calls or less. Come along, everyone is uh, welcome. Annam Cara will hold their next Cork City meeting tomorrow, Wednesday, in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs. They have a 7.15 start. There's no need to register. You can simply come along on the night. And that's for anyone who has suffered the bereavement of a child, no matter how long ago or no matter what the circumstances. Mass in honour of St. Pio is on in St. Joseph's Church in Lismire. That's tomorrow night at 8. Again, everyone is very welcome. While the Newmarket slash Canturk Alzheimer Cafe that will be held in Newmarket on this Thursday morning, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Dementia advisor Amy Murphy will give an overview of dementia services and supports in the area. If you'd like to register your interest, you can contact Linda at 087-955-3940. And the Glen Theatre in Bantier is suggesting book your tickets for Dirt Birds. It's a comedy duo. It'll be on in the Glen Theatre on Friday night. Phone 029-56239. And by the way, Gina and the Champions will, there, will be there next Saturday night. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let's go to the phone lines where Eddie in Mahan has uh, contacted us. And I'm glad Eddie in Mahan has contacted me when I see what his comment is. Good, good afternoon to you, Eddie. Good afternoon, now, Patricia Eddie, Hawkins. I'm very good, thank you. You've contacted us because it's making the news today that the government is discussing how the €200 Euro en- energy credits will be paid out to people and we know that they, they're going to come in three instalments to all householders. There's going to be one credit paid before Christmas to help towards the cost of our electricity bills and there'll be two afterwards. But your issue is around this discussion of how people with prepaid power that's right here. Yeah, because? I'm a prepaid customer. Yeah. And now, which is grand, we know big bills come in every two months and it is grand and handy, that's fair. But uh, last March, we got the same thing, okay? We got two, was it March, we got 200 euros? You did, yeah. Yeah, we all got it, yeah. And you were on uh, prepaid power back then? Yeah, I have it for 20 years. Oh. And... Um, um, we just uh, my well, it's my wife got a text uh, in her phone saying that to be paid over uh, the two hundred would be paid over three installments. Okay, mm-hmm. you'll have to top up by ten euros. We'll say today, and you'll get uh, the, the ten euros plus ninety, and then you top up again. We'll say the next day uh, you get ten euros plus the ninety. That's what that was uh, uh, one hundred and eighty, and then the third time you top up with ten euros, you get the twenty. 
Yeah, so you got the 200 euro. We got the 200 euro. But I can't see why they're discussing how they're going to pay the prepaid customers. If they, why can't they just do it like they did the last time? Yeah, it's, listen, it's been driving me nuts since I, I've heard this argument as if that there's some problem with paying prepaid, pay as you go, mm. because yeah. they did it in March and April, so they just use the very same system again. Oh, it's very the same system, and like this, it's grand and handy because you can uh, you can look at your meter and say, okay, I'm actually using that much in the last few days. I'm uh, it's more bit more, uh, excessive. I'll cut back my electricity or whatever. Yeah, and you, you, there is the argument that you pay more for your electricity by doing it that way. You do know that. I do that, yeah, but uh, but it's only a few pence. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. you still think it's worth it. I still think it's worth it. You know, yeah, you still have no big bills. You're not looking at, uh, uh, you know, you put in your 20 uh, Last Thursday, I'll give you an example. There was 40 euros, uh, 56 cents in my meter. Okay. And usually, you know, I get, I'm on, I'm on a pension and I get my pension every Thursday. So I said, I have enough though to keep me going for the week because I was away for a few days myself and the wife. And um, one, whatever made me look at the meter yesterday, I know no, the ESP's got up. Uh, there's only 18 euros and 50, uh, 54, uh, 54 cents in it. And I, I saw, no, no, we don't need uh, the washing machine and months. Okay, we have the electric shower, but we only had a shower. There's only three adults in, in the house, and we all had a shower on Saturday night, so Sunday morning, whatever. And so, that, so like the price of electricity has gone, uh, gone fierce high. But, yeah, uh, but see, uh, electricity I, went up on the 1st of October, which was Saturday. That's right, yes. Yeah. And, but like, uh, for those, I uh, know I'm not too bad, but don't get me wrong, but there's people out there with young families and children uh, and they are going to suffer a lot. Yeah, and you see, the, the big worry with the pay-as-you-go, uh, Eddie, is that some people will self-disconnect themselves if they don't have the money to top up. I know you get, there's emergency credit, isn't there, on all the, the, the prepaid meters. Uh, and is, I know yeah. they've increased that from 10 euro to 20 euro. But I know that they are fearful that's because there's a moratorium. They can't disconnect anybody over the winter. We've been promised that. But if you're on a meter, you technically could self-disconnect. You could knock the electricity off because if you don't top it up and it runs out, you'll have no electricity. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah. And no, I know. Me and Martin is saying that we should, the people who can't afford to maybe self disconnect should go to the uh, social welfare office. Yeah, yeah. Which is fair enough. But you, you have to meet certain criteria first, okay? Mm. And second of all, uh, as far as I know, you're given that uh, money, uh, the debt credit in cash, and people might. I'm not saying everyone, but some people mightn't uh, use that uh, I know, money. I know, I know. But anyway, you can't foresee any problems with how they'll pass on the €200 Euro, uh, for, no. for your pay-as-you-go meter. No, not if they do it. It's very exact same as the last one. Yeah. And uh, you, you, okay, you still have to put in €10, Euros, but, uh, uh, and, uh, but uh, over, uh, you put in €30, Euros, but you're still getting uh, 200 uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Into and it's, 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 listen, I know electricity bills are rising all the time, but it's welcomed. It's, it is, 
I know people knock, knock the government all the time, but that 600 euro is going to be welcomed by so many families. All right, Eddie, listen, thank you for that. We might no send, problem, we might send you bye. up to the doll so you can tell them how, how they do it and they, they don't need to be having a meeting. The system's <laughs> already in place. Take uh-huh. care, take care. <laughs> don't take care, bye. Okay, bye-bye. And actually, somebody has just sent in a text uh, with a link and I clicked on the link just to, to see exactly what it is. It's to do with the Waterford Greenway. Anybody using the Waterford Greenway and a sculpture has been destroyed and I've clicked on it and it's just shocking. It is a large wooden sculpture that was on Waterford's Greenway route. It has been destroyed by fire and I mean destroyed by fire. There is just charred remains of it. Uh, The sculpture was erected earlier this year. It's a biodiversity project and it was in a tribute to an Irish mythical goddess of Eru. Well, Eru doesn't exist anymore and it seems... Uh, the fire service uh, had to were called out on the outskirts of Waterford City last Friday morning when the large wooden structure was in flames. The fire crews were unable to save the artwork. Centre of the sculpture is now a mound of ash with only the outstretched hand and just truly shocking. And the, uh, when I'm looking online, they showed a picture of at the time when the sculpture went in. Ah, it's dreadful. What? Mindless. It's just, I just can't understand that type of antisocial behaviour. Just what do they, what does somebody get out of that? And they would have, I mean, I'm assuming they would have had to go on with petrol and matches and whatever to, to, to set. Because, you know, it wouldn't be the easiest thing to set on fire. I know it's a wooden sculpture, but still to have it that badly destroyed. There was the effort that went into setting it on fire just Shame on them. Absolutely shame on them. And we were discussing Drink Aware earlier and the fact that Drink Aware, a charity that promotes people not, not to binge drink and to drink sensibly. And you'll hear all the ads for Drink Aware about drinking sensibly. But there is uh, there's an argument going on about whether they should be anywhere near schools and anywhere near teachers advocating how teachers should talk to their children about alcohol. That has uh, prompted somebody to say that they were at the Garth Brooks concert in Coke Park a couple of weeks ago. And this person says, as a recovering alcoholic, just six months in recovery, well done to you. I was anxious about attending such an event because I knew there was going to be alcohol there and this person knew big, large social event. But Garth Brooks fan decided that they would go and enjoy themselves. So they decided that they'd queue up and there was queues seemingly to buy a drink at Garth Brooks. But they said they go for, you know, one of these zero, zero, zero alcohol uh, beers or similar, some drink without alcohol that would look like somebody was having a drink and whatever, but it would be zero alcohol. Texter says, I was so surprised after queuing at the bar for 40 minutes that they had no zero non-alcoholic drinks available at the event. I found it alarming that with 80,000 people present, they were left with this choice, given that there was drink aware signs everywhere. I'm sure there was lots of people there who would have been driving home or, like myself, in recovery and had no other option but to go for a soft drink. And sometimes, yeah, you don't want to have a fizzy drink. You don't want to be sitting all night, you know, having having a mineral. You want to have a zero alcohol uh, beer so I'm yeah, really surprised by that I would have thought at a venue like Croke Park that, that certainly they, the bars there uh, would have been catering for it but they weren't 0818 103 103 John Paul continues to take your calls you can text on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. 
Egg Foilamak Quidananiha is Farlin. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. Is Marga Bayane the English market a Lorchar Kirkwi in a will Ramesha Lahan Stali Gashastoin, Le Bushdi, Bokhari, Kanahori Aishk, Stali Glassri, Shapui Cafe a Hodas Clohush, Agas Avatni Smo. Dinkor Olo Hosu the Hodil, when salt does an atmosphere, no blossom, Agas Blafele on Irgniv Shaw, a hand shirgati in Vilien, Mila Shakyad Sahotau Hot. Behind Margashan, I'm sure show a hot grill or Nakarach, Marhot dot Hiat Trosele, Edomale. Nocta, quid denaneha, is Fari Gorkic, C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Just on the prepay, the pay people who have their electricity on pay as uh, you go, and I want to relay people's fears because I've heard so much commentary about people saying that people on prepaid power are not going to be getting the six hundred euro, and that is not correct information. Uh, this is in from a pre a company called Prepay Power. They say every prepay power residential electricity customer will be getting the six hundred euro in government electricity credit. It'll be broken down into three payments of two hundred euro each. These payments are provisionally scheduled to be paid in November of this year, January of 2023 and March of 2023. They say you will get the full €600. No deductions will be made from this amount. So thank you for that. And also thank you to a listener who has a suggestion for Joe who contacted us about his electricity bill having tripled. But then he also happened to mention when he was on to John Paul that he's got a toothache he, and he's a medical card patient. He can't get a dentist. He reckons the tooth needs to come out. He's in agony and he's going to try and save up and have to go to and pay for it at a dentist. Somebody on WhatsApp has suggested uh, maybe the dental school in CUH might be an option for Joe with the toothache. Uh, cheaper route, no pun intended. Uh, very frustrating to hear what that man is going through. It is indeed. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's an option. Will they do an extraction? Because it sounds like it's an emergency extraction. Has anybody gone down that route? I have heard of people going to CUH for more complex work as the dental hospital and obviously the, de- the dentist in training needs to practice on people. I don't know if they do something like that, like an emergency extraction. I imagine that they possibly do because the, the young dentists coming up need to be trained in you know somebody arriving in with an emergency extraction so if anybody can tell us is that a route that we can push Joe to try to see if he can get his tooth sorted out has anybody used the dental hospital CUH now this is for an emergency not for a planned dental work let's go from Joe with a toothache to our own Joe and this is Joe Heffernan who hopefully doesn't have a toothache good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon Patricia and, and, and um, from one Joe to another yeah. I was talking to a person recently who had the same dilemma and they phoned a dentist, I, I can't remember the name, I don't know if I even heard it, um, in Macroom. Mm. And they were seeing pretty quickly, and uh, that dentist is seeing people with medical cards. Okay, well done, well done. Because yep. we've all been there at some stage, you would go off of your head with the yep. toothache. It's probably one of the worst pains imaginable, because you can't sleep with it, you can't eat with it, you just can't function. When you've yeah. that kind of a throbbing toothache, it's just, oh, my heart goes out to him. OK, today we are continuing on our discussion with self-harm. Now, we spoke about self-harm last week with regards to, unfortunately, the number of young people and the pandemic uh, we spoke about. We saw an increase in self-harm. So we're moving it on uh, today with words of advice for parents and teachers and guardians and people who live with a young person who might be 
uh, self-harming. Uh, so start by talking to uh, us about what you reckon could be some of the situations that could lead a young person to start self-harming. Yeah, um, relationships. I was hearing Dickie Rock singing on C103, was it yesterday? Um, what is it? True love is the treasure of treasures when you're only 17. So like uh, breakups, um, uh, uh, interaction with friends, um, falling out with friends, having an argument with friends. These can be very, very big for a young person. Um, if there's bullying going on, online content can cause a lot of stress and worry. Um, as I say, arguments, um, uh, you know, a young person feeling um, guilty or ashamed um, or very angry and uh, doesn't know what to do with the anger, maybe. Um, those can be, uh, you know... Uh, we'll call it um, reasons that a person might uh, be self-harming. Um, uh, obviously, um, alcohol or drug use um, would, uh, would, uh, would contribute to reasons why. And um, naturally, depression uh, and our anxiety can contribute as, as well. So what you're saying to us is there's a lot of reasons and a lot of things can, actu- can, can actually trigger it. Yeah, that a person is feeling uh, unable to cope with what's going on in his or her life. And, um, and sometimes um, self-harming can give uh, a sort of um, uh, feeling of, of control that um, if a person is feeling detached from the world, um, detached from themselves, um, self-injury can be a, a way of feeling more connected um, with oneself um. and, and for a parent then when they discover that this is happening you know the first thing they're going to jump in and, and how, can, how can I help how can I make this stop absolutely and, and the main thing would be uh, not to panic um, uh, you know not to go straight into oh my god mode um, kind of thing to say um, wh- wh- what's going on um, how are, are you feeling um, uh, and, and to understand that um, usually self-harm is not a suicide attempt. In fact, it's, um, it's, it's an attempt, an inappropriate way, I suppose one would say, of the young person trying to cope with the world. So um, it's, a, it's an inappropriate coping measure. Um, uh, the main thing would be um, uh, not to panic and to wonder how can I help and, um, and to ask the young person um, how, how are you feeling like what, what's going on in your life at the moment and, and if they will open up well then that's wonderful and then to be uh, to listen and then yeah then the key then is, is to listen and the key then is don't judge don't get angry regardless of what you're hearing Absolutely, and and especially I think as well, uh, not to be dismissive or minimising, like um, you know, not something like actually we were all through that, or um, um, yeah, you'll get over that, uh, you know, that's minimising. Um, uh, the issue with the young person 
is very, very important to them. So the last thing that they need is to have it kind of uh, uh, minimized or, um, you know, dismissed as, um, uh, you know, silly or something like that. Yeah, I, that that, yeah, that, yeah, that would be an absolutely um, uh, wrong way to go. Um, okay, and then yeah. and then obviously for the parent, it's, it's quite a shocking thing for any parent to discover that their you know much loved son or daughter is is self harming. Your GP, I mean, we're always saying GP for a sport to call, and I, I assume it's the same here. Absolutely, without doubt. Now, uh, on on online um, uh, jigsaw, um, uh, I, I I was reading, uh, looking it up recently, and. Um, there's a section for parents. Um, so that could be very helpful for the parent. And then with the young person's consent, um, uh, maybe accompanying the young person to visit the GP and to, um, and to say uh, what, what's, uh, what's happening. And uh, I'm sure the GP would point out the physical dangers of, of this, uh, a danger of infection, uh, etc. And... Um, and maybe then um, to, uh, I, I'm sure most GPs would probably say, look, um, is there someone that the young person could attend and talk with, um, someone in the counselling psychotherapy line of work? And um, as I often say to you, the, if, you, if a person looks up iacp.ie online, there's a section in that called uh, to click on find a counsellor and you know I, I've um, I, I'm completely confident that a person will find someone within a very reasonable distance of their home um, okay. and uh, they, they're all fully fully accredited people they wouldn't be on that website unless they had gone through all the rigours of accreditation etc so one would be um, uh, looking at people who 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 can uh, help. Okay. Uh, okay. And and, and uh, are some young people more at risk than others? Well, I suppose that if a young person is uh, depressed or highly anxious, um, uh, well, then um, they would be more at risk um, because. Uh, if if someone is um, you know uh, doing grand at school, involved in sport, um, etc., etc., um, uh, my take on that would be that they'd be less at risk than some um, young person who is feeling very anxious or very depressed or is involved in you know a situation which is troubling them. And that could be anything, but you know the usual ones, as I say, um, uh, bu- bullying, arguments with friends, arguments at home. Um, anything can uh, kick it off. You know. and, and anything, absolutely anything. Yeah, uh, can uh, yeah. can kick it off. And people then looking out for signs. I mean, the particularly constantly wearing the long sleeves because absolutely. a lot of the cutting is done on on the young person's arm. Yes, and and covering that up, um, uh, uh, young people don't tend to share self-harming even with close friends. Um, So, yeah, the long sleeves to cover, um, 
maybe if going to the gym or involved in a in a, a PE at school or whatever, um, you know, uh, not uh, what we'll call tugging off um, for the because they don't the they don't they don't want Again, the scars. Trying to, trying to hide uh, the signs. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's important that you're there to offer support. No blame, no anger. Just be there to support them. Absolutely. And to make it very clear that you understand that they're going through a bad time and like that the whole attitude would be, how can I help? Okay. Um, and we because do, we, I want to help. And I, and I promised when we were mentioning this that we do have uh, some phone numbers. We've got Chiline 1-800-666-666. And then for Aware and Body Wise, just to let you know, uh, Joe, the numbers you have on file, they've actually changed because those 1890 num- numbers are now gone. So right. Aware's is a free phone, one 800 80 48 48 and body wise they now have a Dublin numbers 01 2107906 and of course that wonderful support online is uh, jigsaw.ie okay uh, Joe as always we'll chat to you again next week Thank you, thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us and you can contact Joe Heffernan who is a fully accredited counsellor by calling 086 834 8145 086 Just a couple of texts uh, just that I want to finish up on before I leave you today. Uh, we've been talking about the prepaid power and the metres that you can get for your electricity bill. Uh, Tom in Mallow says, Patricia, how do you qualify for a prepaid uh, metre? There's no qualifying, just whatever whatever provider that you get your electricity from. I, I'm right, I think, in saying that all of them provide uh, prepay. If not, when your contract is up, you can switch over to one uh, that that does. But I'm sure all of them do. So you just tell them that you want to get a prepaid uh, metre and they will install it for you. A couple of people are on with advice for poor old, the other Joe, with the uh, dentist. Patricia, there's a dentist in Little Island. It's the Little Island Dental Surgery. Uh, she took four of us on after our dentist at the time uh, was cut off from medical card uh, patients. If somebody wants to, if Joe wants to go as far as Little Island or check in with Little Island Dental Surgery to see if they're still taking on medical card patients. And then someone else says, I got a wisdom tooth taken out during pregnancy at the CUH Dental Hospital. And it was a few years ago, uh, but I don't know if they are still doing it. I think, yeah, I think what Joe needs to do there is to maybe contact the CUH Dental Hospital to see, do they take in emergency appointments? Um, hi, uh, this is on the noisy cars and you're putting something onto the exhaust to make it noisy. This person says, when you insure your car, you're asked on the form, has it been modified? And the young lads, could be lassies as well, will mark no. It's the, if it goes for NCT, it will fail the car unless the exhaust is taken out beforehand. But then John Paul tells me, and I don't know if he's put up the comment or not, that he was talking, he was trying to get somebody uh, to come on on uh, line. He was Robert in Dumamway. He uh, Robert in Dumamway contacted us. John Paul was trying to get him to come on line, but he wasn't able to come on, uh, to say that those exhausts that are modified, that are put onto the car, Robert says they're not uh, illegal. And how does he know? He says his son got one of them put onto his car and Robert started saying, are you sure that they're not illegal? So they questioned it and it seemingly, he said, Robert says it's not. Now I don't know when he said he, um, did he go to the Gardaí but he says the Gardaí can't do anything about the exhausts 
and he says his son's car did pass the NCT and they cost between 200 and 300 euros so they're not illegal according to Robert and Robert says he knows because he uh, checked it out uh, thank you for that have I time to I have so many texts uh, coming uh, in uh, hi Patricia I'm, I was travelling on the Mallow Road to Cork recently and I just can't understand why motorists flash their lights to warn traffic warn cars in the opposite direction there was a speed van in the area the speed van is there to protect lives so why warn irresponsible drivers not adhering to the speed limit people should stop flashing their lights do you flash your lights to warn other cars coming this texter said you should stop okay I've got to leave it there thanks to John Paul Nick Richards with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.